Welcome to The Jury Is Out, a podcast for trial attorneys who want to sharpen their skills and better serve their clients. Your co-hosts are John Simon, founder of the Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith. Welcome again to The Jury Is Out. We're all busy and you might have missed some of our podcasts. Here's one of our favorites. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with a new episode of The Jury Is Out next Wednesday. Welcome to another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Veith. I'm John Simon. John, we've been offering tips, suggestions for lawyers who are trying not to lose cases. Winning is fun. Losing is awful. And further, losing can destroy your confidence. It can destroy your career. But today we're going to talk about losing. It's something that's not fun to talk about. How often do you think about losing? You know, I I try not to. I mean, everybody thinks about losing, but nobody wants to talk about it. To me, it's the other side of the coin. I mean, every case that's tried, there's one party wins, the other side loses. You know, losing sucks. No question about it. You spend two years working on the case. You put your heart and soul into it. It's a public trial. Everybody's watching. Everybody can, you know, is going to know the result. Most importantly, your client's future is at stake in the case. You know, you're sitting at counsel table, you know, after a three-week trial, the jury files in and they read that verdict and it's, it's a loss. It's a defense verdict. You just sit there completely exhausted emotionally drained, you know, devastated, just devastated, shock, anger, frustration, whatever. And it happens to everybody. I mean, it happens to everybody. If you're going to try cases, you're going to lose some of those cases. Occasionally hear about people who say, well, you know, this person, I've never lost a case or I've never lost a case. Number one, I find it hard to believe. If somebody has an active trial practice and and they're not like insane and selectively choosing cases that they can't lose, I mean, if you're a regular trial lawyer and you're trying cases day in and day out, you're going to lose some cases. I have seen bad lawyers win cases. I've seen very good lawyers, excellent lawyers lose cases. If you try cases for a living, you're going to lose some. And everything I just said doesn't make it a bit easier when you lose that case. But Eric, you hit it right on the head. What What's the most important thing, I think, is not whether you win or lose, it's, it's, it's how you tried the case, but, but more significantly, when you do lose a case, it's how you react to it, how you bounce back. Do you let it affect your decision-making? Do you let it paralyze you in terms of not wanting to get back in the courtroom? There are attorneys out there who are just terrified of going in the courtroom and trying to case because they might lose, okay? And if that's the case, if you've gotten yourself into that situation, you need to really think about a completely different approach of how you look at winning and losing in cases. Losing is a terrible word to use for what we do. If you ask, what's the job description of a good lawyer? I don't think we should be saying it's to win cases. I think the better description would be to give excellent representation to your client. And in that context, when you represent the non-prevailing party, the question is, did you do a great job? Did you get in there and give it everything you could? Because you can control that. You can't control what the fact finder or the the judge decides to do with the law or the fact. You can't control those things. There are some lawyers who win them all because, well, maybe they're uh, collecting small credit debt. And then, of course, they're going to win 99.9% of what they do. There's lawyers like public defenders who go in with scant resources, heavy caseloads, 
and they might lose 95% of their cases that they try. And it seems insulting to say that the one is a winner and the other is a loser, like to judge the attorneys based upon whether they're winners or losers, as opposed to, are you doing a good job? One of the people I used to be in a law firm with, Alicia Campbell, took a case that was, it, it was almost guaranteed loser, but she took it. And I, and I really admired her for doing this. A woman took out a consumer loan for $100 at 200% interest. It was one of these uh, predatory lender outfits. And she didn't make the payments, so the debt grew from 100 to 900 and then they filed the suit, and the judgment was that the, the debt would be need to be paid, plus the interest will keep accruing at 200% interest. So by the time that Alicia filed her suit to say, hey, this is just wickedly unfair, the woman had $3,500 of debt remaining to be paid on a $100 initial loan. Wow. And the Court of Appeals, because I was part of the suit, said, this is outrageous, but it's the law. So we took the case. I came up with a, a theory under Rule 74.06 about inequitable judgments. We lost. But if anyone were to call Alicia Campbell a loser for taking this on and giving it her all, and that's just one example. And like I say, public defenders do this all the time. They take on very, very difficult cases. So I don't know if that, that bothers you like it does me. You know, Eric, I couldn't agree with you more. There's a fair comparison between what we do and professional athletes. There are some differences. You know, professional athletes, their careers are short. They have to remain competitive at the very highest level for a very short period of time, five years, eight years, seven years, 10 years. You know, very few go beyond that. Yet, you know, as trial lawyers, we need to remain competitive in a fiercely competitive, demanding profession for a career for, for 30 years, 25 years, 40 years, if, if we're lucky. The amount of pressure that you can put on yourself doing what we do is is just stifling. It's it's crazy. And you really, in order to function, I think you need to figure out a way to deal with this, to figure out how to deal with the fact that you might lose your case. The loss itself does very little harm to you. Obviously, it's going to do more harm to your client. But the loss to you really is is created, you know, the damage you can do to yourself, your career is created by how you react to that loss. Now, let me just get something straight in the beginning. I hate losing. I'm not advocate. I'm to me, I never want to get used to losing. I, I just don't. I mean, losing to me is, is an incentive to work harder, to be more prepared. I wouldn't want to be in a profession where I, I want all the time. I think the very fact that there's a possibility, a significant possibility in some cases that you can lose is, is a motivating factor. It's a driving factor. It creates the competitive fire in you and most attorneys. I'm not advocating losing. What I'm saying is if you give it your best, if you've prepared adequately, if you've done the very best that you can in that case, and the result doesn't come out the way you wanted, you need to deal with that and move on. And, and that's it. You got to make the distinction between what you can control and what you cannot control. It's kind of like the serenity prayer. You know, you control case selection. You control how prepared you are. There are many, many other things. I think most things that are out of your control once that trial starts, you know, what that jury panel is going to look like, rulings from the bench, how a witness does on the stand, whether it's your, your client or whether it's an expert. There's so many, many things we try. Our whole focus and, and, and preparation is trying to control every aspect of the case. But the bottom line is there's some things that you just can't control. 
we were talking before we got on about pitchers in Major League Baseball. And one of the stats we were talking about was the list of ERA champs with losing records. There was a pitcher, Joe McGrain, back in 1988 with the Cardinals, with the St. Louis Cardinals. He had the lowest ERA, I think, in the National League. It was 2.18, and he, he had a losing record. He was 5-9. and nine. He led the league in ERA, and he had a losing record. Would you call that a losing pitcher? I mean, I don't think the Cardinals would have any hesitation to re-sign him and get him back. Another great example is Nolan Ryan. In 1987, I think he was tied for the National League lead in ERA. He was, he was 40 years old at the time, and his, his record was eight wins and 16 losses. I don't think anybody in their right mind that, that knows anything about baseball or pitching would call either one of those guys a loser. You can do everything right. You can make all the right decisions, and you can still lose. And, and that's a fact of life. That's what we live with day in and day out. Those are the things that keep us up at night. But I think also, if you harness it, those are the things that make you prepare harder, that make you work a little bit harder. You know, the fact that you can win or lose that case, that everything's on the line, that's the thing that is, it, it, to me, it's a motivator. I mean, it's an incredible motivator. We are a very competitive culture, and we're going to call people winners and losers. I just wish there were another way to explain when an attorney takes on high-risk cases and it t takes a string of 10 of them and wins only one of them. There, there should be a better word than saying, uh, yeah, he's basically a loser. You know, it just it doesn't make sense. What makes it even worse and, and exacerbates it nowadays is attorneys, young attorneys, aren't trying as many cases. When I started, you know, a young attorney could try five, six, seven, maybe 10 cases in a year. And, you know, you're not going to win all of them. You might lose two or three and win, win three or four. And nowadays, it's not too uncommon to have a lawyer try one case a year, you know, one or two, maybe the cases are longer, they're com more complex, they're more involved. And what that does, I think, is it just creates more focus and anxiety and attention on, you know, winning or losing, because it's, you know, you try that one case, and it might be the only case that you try that year. It's not losing that hurts us as trial lawyers. It's how we react to it. And more specifically, I think the fear, the anxiety or the fear of losing is one of the single biggest issues confronting trial lawyers today. I see it. I see it in young lawyers. They've got a good case. They're prepared, as prepared as they can be. They've worked on it. And yet there's some reluctance to what happens if I lose. You know what? You need to get over it because at that point, if you find it at all affecting your decision-making in the case, it's bad news. You know, look at it this way. Think about the practical results of being so afraid of losing that you're reluctant to try a case. It encourages settling a case for less than what the case is worth, I believe, that it encourages unethical conduct, people not turning stuff over and discovering. You know, they're so afraid of losing. And again, I do plaintiff stuff on the defense side. There's a risk there for losing. On the plaintiff side, we lose our case. We've worked on a case for two years. There's no fee to us, our client. There's no recovery. The defense side, you can end up losing a client. And so I think that fear of losing might encourage conduct that otherwise wouldn't happen. The fear of losing may be so strong that attorneys don't take tough cases. They don't take cases that are important. If all you're concerned about is whether you're going to win or lose the case, you don't learn. How about this? I mean, if, if you're not willing to try cases, you don't learn. You don't get better. And I'll tell you something else too. I, I think there's a reputation involved. It, it, has, it has to do with your reputation. My thought is 
The best thing you can possibly do is try a case and win it. The second best thing is to try a case and lose it. Get in the courtroom, try cases. You know, if you get a reputation and, and everybody, you will get a reputation one way or another. And the, the attorneys on the other side of the case will know what that reputation is. If you have a reputation of settling all your cases and never trying cases, that's going to follow you. I would rather take a tough case, go in, battle it out, try it, give it my absolute best and lose that case because the other side knows that you're going to go in and try it. You know, they know the next time around, the next time you have a case with them, they know, you know, they're not going to get by with anything. You're going to, you're going to call them on it. You're going to go in and be prepared. You're going to go in and try the case. If you're not trying cases, you're not learning how to try cases. If you don't try a case, you're never going to get a verdict. You know, there is no, absolutely no way of getting a verdict in a case unless you're willing to try the case. I'm imagining you now delivering a closing argument. And as you take your breath to deliver your last few lines, you're thinking now, I hope we win this case. <laughs> so I think I can't imagine anything less productive than those kinds of thoughts, either winning or losing. You should be talking about or thinking about other things. Imagine being in a firm or being in a situation where you've got a very, very high chance of winning every case. In other words, you don't touch a case unless it's absolutely perfect, unless you have a 99% chance of winning. And you do that day in and day out, month after month, year after year. If I was in that situation, if I continually had cases that I was going to win and continued just winning cases, I'd change professions. Okay. I'd be selling cars or doing, I just would not continue doing it. I'll give you another, you know, sports example, Eric. I was at a basketball game, an NBA game years ago. I think it was, it was in Chicago. I was watching a Bulls game when Jordan was playing. So at halftime, they had a guy come out. It was this older guy who held the world record for consecutive free throws. And he was like the world record holder for most free throws. The guy's the best free throw shooter in the world, right? So at halftime, it was this big show. You know, we get to see the, the world's greatest free throw shooter in the middle of an NBA game. And he, he came out to the, the free throw line and he started shooting free throws. I don't know how many the guy had made in a row, 1,500 or 2,000 or 5,000, whatever it was. But the bottom line was nobody cared about it. I mean, the guy got up there and he never misses. Like he never misses. So he's going on shooting one after another. Everybody went and got a Coke, went to use the restroom and get, get something to eat. It was the most boring thing of the entire evening watching some guy who never misses. Let's take that a little bit further. What if you just had a monstrous team, a baseball team, okay? And they went undefeated, 162-0. And every game they won by three or four runs. Who in the heck would want to go to the game? To me, the possibility of losing, the idea of putting everything you've done for two or three years on the line to win or lose, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That is the greatest single motivator for me in my profession. I mean, continually working on cases that are slam dunks, you're going to win every one of them. I think that would be the most unsatisfying, unrewarding situation I can imagine. The flip side of it is there is very few things professionally, very few things in life to me that are better, make you feel better, make you feel better with, about your client, about who you are than taking a case that two or three or four other law firms have turned down, that everybody in the office is telling you there's no way in hell you're going to win that case, okay? And taking that case, putting your heart and soul into it, working it up and getting a verdict and winning that case. I can't explain the experience, the feeling with that. It's happened to me a couple of times where, I've, as a matter of fact, I even got a call from one of the attorneys in a case that I took 
and tried, and I got a verdict in the case, and very, very phenomenal attorney, wonderful attorney, and he turned that case down. And, you know, I saw something in it, maybe that he didn't, but I'm kind of laughing because he called me, and it was written up in the newspaper, you know, the case. I had mentioned that it had been turned down by a couple other firms, and he said, John, well, I just want to thank you for not mentioning my name, <laughs> you know, as being, as being the one that turned it down. And I said, you know, I'm absolutely certain the same thing has happened to me dozens and dozens and dozens of times where we turn down a case for one reason or another and some other good lawyer picks it up, looks at it a little bit differently, you know, a little more creatively maybe, sees something in that case that we didn't see, and it turns out being a great result. You can't be afraid to fail, not in what we do. You just can't. If you're afraid to fail, you lose your effectiveness as an attorney. Back to the sports analogies. You know, Michael Jordan, there's a Michael Jordan quote, and I'm sure most of you have already heard it. He says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games on 26 occasions. Notice he remembered the number, (laughs) 26 occasions. I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. And I think that, that does a nice job of summing it up. Without taking a risk, without risking failure, there is no gain in what we do. How about the concept of batting average in baseball? That captures it nicely. You would never call a great hitter a loser just because they're out twice as often as they get a hit. But we accept that in baseball. I guess it's just hard for lawyers because you can't see, easily see, the complexity and the challenge of the cases that lawyers are handling. You can only see a so-called win-loss record. It's too bad that the complexity and difficulty of the cases isn't as apparent because then you would have two ratings. You would have one rating, how hard are these cases? And then you would look at the so-called batting average and you go, wow, you know, on cases that are extremely difficult, this lawyer wins 20% of them. You know, then, then you're thinking, well, that's, that's a much more interesting stat. John, I wanted to ask you though, on your case that you took, it was high risk. It was going to be uphill climb the whole way. You prevailed. Let's assume that you did not prevail in court on that case. But going in, you knew it was going to be a tough, tough case. You took it anyway. And let's say the jury turned you down. How do you handle that given that you knew it was a high risk case in the beginning? You know, Eric, I got a perfect example. One case comes to mind. And as I said before, I don't like losing. I remember the cases that I've lost in, in much greater detail than the cases I've won. Many years ago, maybe maybe 20 years ago or so, I had a case presented to me. Case came in the office, and it was a automotive fire case. It was a it was a Ford fire case. A vehicle had uh, run into a tree, burst into flames, and I represented the family of a 14 year old boy who was burned to death in the vehicle. And it was a very very tough case, and I'll tell you why. It was alcohol involved. They were teenagers in the vehicle. The driver had been drinking. We had focused it. We had looked at it. We were convinced there was a defect. The problem was the alcohol was going to come in, and it was a tough decision. But what I ended up with was I really, really liked the client. I liked the family. And the bottom line is it was the right thing to do, period. I couldn't live with myself just walking away and turning that case down. These kids should have walked away from this this accident. Nobody was injured by the impact, and and somebody burned to death. Others were, were injured. I think it was a three-week trial, spent a couple years working on the case, spending a lot of time with this family. 
and they understood going in. I made sure they understood what the lay of the land was, what the outlook was, and uh, never never really engaged in, in discussions. I was asked for a demand. I didn't even give one because I knew th- how they were looking at the case. So we ended up trying the case, and we lost that case. I lost that case, and I knew it was a tough case, and boy, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I just, you know, you just don't like losing. I mean, you just don't like losing. And then I start thinking, well, you know, okay, now all of a sudden I lost this case and, and, you know, maybe I should have won the case and everybody in town and the midway, everybody's going to know, you know, I lost this case and what did I do wrong? What should have I do wrong? I'm second guessing myself. Obviously the clients were upset, devastated, you know, I mean, I, it just sucks. I mean, it really does. But at the end of the day, we usually, as you know, Eric, when we get a verdict in a case, we'll typically get a call from, uh, you know, various newspapers or the Missouri Lawyers Weekly. And they called to ask me about this case. Well, obviously, whenever you get a nice verdict in a case, you win. You can't wait to talk to them. And, and you know, I was sitting there in my office. The last thing I wanted to do was talk to a reporter about a case that I had lost. And, you know, and I thought about it. And I thought that was the absolute wrong approach. I actually invited the reporter to my office. And I sat down for, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes or so with the reporter explaining what we were just talking about, what the defect was, what I liked about the case, the reason I took it. And at the end of the interview, I said, you know, here's the thing. If this same case tomorrow, tomorrow, if the identical case came into my office, I'd take it again and I would do exactly the same thing. I would pursue it. And I would do that because it is a tough case, but it was the right thing to do. And, you know, it ended up being a, a pretty nice article. It was a front page article and most of it wasn't about the, the win, but it was about our office taking on a very difficult, tough case that we thought was a good case. And we were taking it for the right reasons and that we were going to keep fighting. And, and it ended up being a very positive ending experience to it, you know, versus what it could have been had I not spoken to the reporter. It sounds like what you did there is you, again, redefined what it is that you do. You're not sitting there putting notches on your desk for wins. You're, you're a lawyer who's working hard to represent clients, including clients like this. And I think it's a really smart thing to redefine the conversation like that because, uh, you know, the obsession with winning, if you're worried about winning and losing, it is a bad thing. It invades your thought process, like, like you've said. I think it's awesome to do a uh, post-mortem on cases. The post-mortem is not for the purpose of beating yourself up. It's, it's for the purpose of seeing, was there something else we could have done this time? It might not be pleasant to go back and look at cases that didn't turn out well, but it can be really valuable. I know you've said it often is like, you learn more from things that don't go right than things that do go right. You learn a lot. This is a valuable learning experience. Yeah. And part of it too, I mean, look at all of the cases, the tobacco cases. I mean, dozens and dozens of those cases were tried and lost. And there was a string of defense verdicts before it turned around. It was the right thing to do to take those cases. And and that's what I think as a profession, and even for our society, if if lawyers are reluctant to take cases, you know, meaningful cases, seeking meaningful change, whether it's a dangerous product or it's a hiring practice or whatever it is, we're missing out on the biggest benefit that our justice system provides to society. I heard another lawyer put it perfectly, I think. I don't know if I'm quoting this exactly. We need to worry less about winning and losing. We need to concentrate on continuing to do the right thing for as long as we can do it. And and I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. 
So Eric, here, here's the thing. We've been talking about, you know, losing and, and nobody likes it. It sucks. You want to win, but it's something that happens. And I think the important thing for all of our listeners, including me and you, is to figure out how to deal with it. Okay. How to deal with a loss. You can use it as motivation. It does motivate certain people and other people it may not. It may have the opposite effect. So I've come up with four helpful suggestions about how to deal with losing a case. They're in no particular order, but I would say, number one, forget about what other people think. Forget about what other people think. When you start worrying about what other people think and judges and referring lawyers and your colleagues and all of this stuff, it's letting your ego get in the way. Your ego doesn't belong here. Okay. And I, and I got news for, for everybody. Other people really don't think about you as much as you think. I think the reality is they probably don't think about you at all. Not at all. They just aren't thinking about you and they aren't thinking about your case. Okay. A lawyer that, that I've worked with, I've mentioned him before, George Fitzsimmons. I worked with him for 10 years. He was my mentor and he would always talk to me and encourage me to go out and try the case. And he'd say, John, you know, you can go out and you can lose a case. Nobody's going to remember that. But if you go out and you win one, you get a nice verdict. That's what people tend to remember. That's number one. Forget about what other people think. It's of no consequence. Don't rent them any space in your head. They're not thinking about you anyway. If they know you and you're a good lawyer and a decent person, that's what they're going to think, that you're a good lawyer and a decent person. No matter anybody that tries cases day in and day out knows that you're not going to win every case. Number two. The only thing that matters is what you think. And you need to be able to process the loss, think about the loss in a way that it doesn't do any further harm to you, but actually helps you. Ask yourself, were you prepared? Did you do your best? If you were prepared and you did your best in that case, you should be proud of what you did and be able to accept the result no matter what. Number three, Preparation versus anxiety. You know, this is the great, uh, you know, anxiety reducer. It's called preparation, all right? And the more I prepare, the less anxious, worried, the less anxiety I have about anything. Adequate preparation, sufficient preparation wipes away anxiety. If you know your stuff, you know your case inside and out, you've been through it many, many times, you're ready to go. You figured out what the defense is, how you're going to attack that, how you're going to undermine the defenses, how you're going to present your case. If you've gone through that process and you've got it all down, that anxiety is going to melt away. You're still going to have some of it. But instead of being terrified about losing the case, why don't you get terrified about not being prepared? <laughs> that, would be, that would be the approach I would take. You know, what makes me roll around in bed and stay awake isn't that I might lose the case. It's that I'm not prepared enough, Okay. And that's what you need to be worried about. That's what you need to be having anxiety about is being prepared to try that case and, and, and giving it your best and doing your best. And that's where the serenity prayer uh, idea comes in. Again, you can't control the win or the loss. The, the juror decides that. The jury decides that. But you can control the preparation. The next one is, and this is from a former partner that I had. I worked with him for 20 years. He has since passed away. And I heard this from him many, many times. And both in, in situations where I've gotten a big verdict, I won a case I wasn't supposed to win, and cases when, you know, I dragged my butt back in the office after losing a case, and I would go down the hall and talk to him. He was 10 years older than me, and he would always say the same thing. He'd say, John, don't get too high on the highs, and don't get too low on the lows. Don't be a roller coaster, emotionally or otherwise. You accept a victory, 
and you accept the loss the same way. Okay. The other thing, and this is my rule, 548 hour rule, whatever it is, a loss or a win, I take 48 hours, two days. If I want a case, I get to yeah, sort of celebrate and feel good about it for 48 hours. The flip side is if I lost one, I'm done with it. 48 hours later, I'm on to the next one. So anyway, those are the suggestions I have for dealing with loss. But the main point, the main point that I want to make is how you react to that loss can be more damaging and harmful than the loss itself. No question. And you need to be mentally tough. I think one of the best examples between what we do and in sports is the relief pitcher. Think about the, the relief pitcher's job. A relief pitcher comes in at the end of the game, the ninth inning, eighth or ninth inning. And the relief pitcher usually comes in when the game is on the line and also when something bad has happened. In other words, runners are on base, something bad has happened. The situation's terrible. The whole game is on the line. That's when that relief pitcher comes in. And I've been to games, and I'm sure you have too. You've seen them, Eric, where the relief pitcher will come in and throw a pitch and blow the whole game. And the, the amazing thing to me is that same pitcher, that same person, the very next day after blowing a save, has to walk back out in that stadium with 50,000 people or 40,000 people and do the same thing again the next day. And could you imagine if you're sitting there thinking about the pitch you made last night, you're done. You know, you're done before you started. And I think we need to adopt that mentality in what we do. You know, you go out, you give it your best, and the consequences are what they are, and you move on to the next one. John agreed. I'm going to switch it over to tennis, though, for a minute. And there's a book out there. It's become kind of a classic. It's called The Inner Game of Tennis. It's by a fellow named Timothy Galloway. He was a tennis coach. But it became a phenomenon. It sold over a million copies, mostly to non-tennis players. And it's for his description of what the inner game should be. So the inner game takes place in the mind of the player and is played against obstacles like lapses in concentration, nervousness, self-doubt, and self-condemnation. So these are all those things that when you mentioned ego, that's that bad world. Like you, you don't want to be thinking about you, 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 when you, you need to be thinking about the task, the thing that you've been trained for, for decades and the thing that's now in front of you, not those voices in your head. And so I'm going to read a couple quotes from this because I think you'll like this. I play every point to win. It's simple and it's good, but I don't worry about winning or losing the match but whether or not I am making the maximum effort during every point, because I realize that's where the true value lies. The difference between being concerned about winning and being concerned about making the effort to win may seem subtle, but the effect there is a great difference. When I'm concerned only about winning, I'm concerned about something that I can't wholly control. Whether I win or lose the external game is a result of my opponent's skill and effort as well as my own. When one is emotionally attached to results that he can't control, he tends to become anxious and then try too hard. But one can control the effort you put into winning. One can always do the best you can at any given moment. So he's, he's got a book that goes on and on. It's worth reading, even if you're not a tennis player. That's fantastic. I mean, you talk about right on point. So Eric, I guess in conclusion, I would say that winners in our profession are attorneys who have the courage to take on difficult cases and try them. Losers are those 
who, because of fear or anxiety, are afraid to try a case. I'll end my comments with a, a quote from Winston Churchill. You know, he said, success is never final. Failure is never fatal. Courage is what counts. John, I would add this quote. This is by Seneca, one of the Stoics. I judge you unfortunate because you have never lived through misfortune. You have passed through life without an opponent. No one can ever know what you are capable of, not even you. So that will conclude our discussion about losing lawsuits. It's a tough thing to undergo, but it's really a good thing to talk about. It will make it easier to lose next time, and that will eventually happen. That's the nature of our profession. Hope you've enjoyed this conversation. We'll be back next time with another topic. This is Eric Veith. I'm John Simon. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a new episode of The Jury Is Out next week. The Jury Is Out is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. Share your comments with John and Eric at comments at thejuryisout.law. And if you want a lively look at life and law from a female attorney's point of view, check out our Heels in the Courtroom podcast and subscribe today because the best lawyers never stop learning.